Hey everyone, welcome back to Adherent Apologetics. I am so pumped you're joining us today to have Dr. Graham Oppie. He's a professor of philosophy at Monash University down in Australia. He's done a lot of work in philosophy of religion, and he also done a lot of stuff on like the YouTube podcast realm as well. Uh, today we're talking about Graham and his journey and what led him into like philosophy and all kinds of stuff. Uh, so Graham, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm I'm going pretty well, I think. Thanks for mm -hmm. inviting me. Yeah, I'm just I'm jealous as we record this in like almost like the beginning of winter, how you talked about like you're heading into the longest day and we're heading into our shortest days. And I'm like, ah, I want to see that sun. I'm tired of all the darkness. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. So, yeah, you just have to be patient. You know, it comes around again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, your influences and like your journey and whatnot. Um, so to start things off, Graham, do you want to talk a little bit like what led you into the world of philosophy? Um, so it depends what you mean, right? So I got interested in philosophy when I was still at school. Um, and part one of the things that happened was for my 16th birthday, I was given a copy of Bertrand Russell's autobiography, which I read. And then I um, started reading other stuff that he'd written and that other people had written. Um, and I, I had a kind of, although I didn't have a really good grasp of what philosophy was, I had some idea about what it was. And I thought, yeah, this is interesting. This is something that I'd like to pursue. So I guess that's on the, you know, introduction to philosophy. As far as academic philosophy goes, uh, I started um, studying philosophy when I was in my second year as an undergraduate at university. Um, and I ended up doing, as part of a double degree in arts and science, I ended up doing a philosophy major. So I got into philosophy that way. Oh, you've gone quiet, you're muted. Thank you. I was on mute and I just totally forgot. Thank you. Um, so what like led you specifically into like philosophy of religion? Because if I remember right, like you started more like in the philosophy of language world. Right. So I was just generally interested in philosophy. I liked pretty much everything that I studied as an undergraduate. And I studied a lot um, as an undergraduate because at that time, Melbourne University had a kind of honours program you could enter in second year and you could overload in whatever you were majoring in. And so I took most of the subjects that were on offer. Um, there was one philosophy of religion subject, which I enjoyed, but it wasn't, you know, um, it didn't stand out to me as the thing I loved the most. Uh, and as you said, when I went to graduate school, I ended up working on problems in philosophy of language and wrote a PhD about in, in, in that field. So how did I get into philosophy of religion? Well, after I left graduate school, I came back to Australia and um, went to Canberra where my, where my wife had a job that she was resuming and I was unemployed. And the ANU um, in the teaching faculty needed someone to teach philosophy of religion and they happened to asked me whether I could do it. And so, although I hadn't, I didn't really know much about philosophy of religion, I agreed to do it. And so I did a course of lectures and in the course of the lectures, because I was unemployed, there was nothing else that I was doing. Uh, I taught myself philosophy of religion, really. So that was how I got into it. 
So what led you specifically? Um, a lot of people look to you, especially if you look at like the theism, atheism date, which I mean is very popular, at least on like the YouTube side of things, as like one of the leading like um, proponents or maybe like or I don't know the words you describe of like an atheistic like worldview. Um, so like in terms of like uh, philosophy, religion, like how did you like become an atheist? Like what's kind of the story there? Um, okay, so we can we can wind back into some family history on this, I guess. So uh, my parents were both Australian Methodists. I mean, Methodism is kind of different in different parts of the world. Um, they were um, both religious at one point. My father thought that he might become a preacher, but he didn't. He was an engineer. Uh, and there's a long family history. Um, the Oppies are from Cornwall and the Wesleys spent a lot of time evangelizing in Cornwall and there's a long history of Methodism in Oppies and Opies and I think that um, carries over so there are quite a lot of Oppies in parts of the Midwest and uh, I think lots of them are still Methodists as well. Uh, so so I grew up as a kind of with a um, conventional Methodist um, instruction so we I went to Sunday school on Sundays um, and uh, went to church after Sunday school when I was old enough to not create a disturbance in the church. Uh, and uh, I, and that, that continued. I had kind of conventional beliefs until I was about 12 or 13. And then I started thinking about, uh, in a more serious way, about the things that I was being taught. And in quite a short period of time, um, I came to the realization, if you can put it that way, that I really didn't believe the tenets of the religion, didn't believe any of it. Um, I don't remember the details of the kind of deliberations that I went through. I just remember that it was a pretty short period of time. I was I was a believer and then I wasn't I, I, over a period of a few weeks. Mm -hmm. So... Maybe like I'd love to get into some of like the people that have influenced you the most. Um, you've obviously published in like a wide um, range of like philosophy and philosophy of religion. Um, in your like life, Graham, I don't know if you want to go like ap academically first and maybe also personally as well. Like um, as you've kind of gone on this journey, like who are some of the people that have influenced you the most? So there are influences in philosophy as well as influences in philosophy of religion in particular uh, and uh, so in philosophy generally um, I guess at when I was an undergraduate uh, there was a member of staff there Alan Hazen who uh, was my mentor so he was a graduate from Pitt he his dissertation was on was roughly in the field of modal logic and from I, from him I uh, learned a lot about modal metaphysics um, philosophy of language and this is where the interest in philosophy of language came from and so on and so he had a very big influence um, over my initial development um, another person who had a very big influence on me was David Lewis so Lewis was a regular visitor to Australia. He came to a couple of seminar presentations that I did when I was a um, 
just beginning, I just started doing a master's in philosophy at Melbourne and uh, I applied, uh, on the basis of my interactions with him, I applied to go to Princeton to do a PhD and I got accepted there. So I went to Princeton. He didn't end up being my advisor, Gil Harmon did. And you can see Gil's influence in the philosophical views that I hold in particular, my views about things like rationality and argumentation and the connection between the two, things like that. Uh, so those would be very big general influences um, from people that I was able to have discussions with. Uh, in philosophy of religion, the influences are a lot more people that I read. So probably the single most influential thing was John Mackey's book, The Miracle of Theism. Um, and you can see that my views are not very different. If you read The Miracle of Theism, you can see that my views are not very different from Mackey's in lots of ways. And so I read the Mackey book originally when I was doing the second year undergraduate course at the University of Melbourne. So it was that along with Richard Swinburne's um, The Existence of God was my introduction to philosophy of religion. And, um, and they both had an influence. You can also see the influence of Swinburne. Uh, and Swim, Swinburne and Mackey are similar in lots of ways. I mean, yes, they come down on different sides, but the way that they're thinking about um, how to go about um, arguing whether there's a God, how to go about determining for yourself whether you think that there's a God, there's a lot of similarities between their views. What about it. like, yeah, I know I can't, it's like, oh, come on. Um, what about like, maybe like, uh, in like your own, like personal life, if you don't mind sharing, like, are there people that like help shape your direction? Um, cause you've been in this world of philosophy for like forever. Um, and I can't imagine doing that alone. Like, have there been people that really helped you along the way? Um, so I'm not sure how to interpret that question. So, uh, so may, maybe it's a question about my personal life. So I'm married, I have three sons, uh, and that's kind of the central focus of my life. So uh, I couldn't do what I couldn't have done what I've done. I couldn't do what I do without the support of my wife and my children. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what you've got in mind. Um, other things that are kind of big in my life. So uh, I, for the last 15 years or so, I've been a member of a local cricket club. I've been the secretary and I've spent lots and lots of time uh, at the club. And I have lots of friends there from all works, walks of life. There are uh, lots of, it, it was originally Glen Waverley Church of Christ Cricket Club. And so there are lots of religious people at the cricket club and some of them know about my other life on YouTube and we all get on just fine. <laughs> That's funny. It's like, oh, like you're like, you, I can imagine like the average like church going like Christians there and like, oh, at my cricket club is like one of the leading defenders of atheism and like the world of philosophy of religion in the world. Like it's just, he's just kind of there and we just hang out and play cricket together. That'd be something. Um, yeah, well, well, that's how it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Um, 
What about like some of the events? Like, I don't know if there's like things that um, maybe like I'm thinking about like talks or like maybe things in the news or I don't know, however you kind of want to take it. Like, are there things like days you can point to or like events that really like influence you the most in your direction um, in kind of where you are now? So I don't, I can't think of anything like um, events or days. And I guess reading certain kinds of things was quite influential. So I've already mentioned Russell's autobiography. I think that that had a big effect on me. So he has a particular conception of philosophy in which um, maths and science play an important role. And so when I when I went to university, I studied science and I majored in maths and I did a minor in physics. And all of that, um, that kind of plan to do that really emerged out of reading Russell's autobiography and thinking about um, the, the kinds of things that you might need if you wanted to um, be a philosopher of the kind that he was. So what about like maybe like the books you re- you mentioned the miracle of theism by Mackey um that kind of shaped you on like the atheistic kind of like side of thinking um what are like some of the other books or like papers um that influenced you the most that you'd recommend for like other people to kind of read um and think about Okay so I mean there are lots of great things in philosophy and uh, I think in general, philosophers could be better at remembering and acknowledging their sources. I mean, one book that had a big impact on me, which I've kind of already mentioned indirectly, was Gil Harmon's book, Change in View, which um, makes this case that, um, that logic and reasoning have very little to do with one another. And at the time that he published the book, it was quite controversial, and I guess it still is, but I was persuaded by lots of the things that he says in that book, and that's um, influenced lots of things that I've written. Um, I've read lots of books outside philosophy, too, that have been very influential. so just because it's come to mind, David Berman has this really nice book on the history of atheism in the UK, which um, I keep going back to. Uh, it's a discussion of, it's particularly focused on the 18th century, and it discusses everybody who might or might not have been an atheist who was publishing stuff in the 18th century. So it's not just um, stuff in philosophy. It's um, there's a wide range of stuff in other disciplines. It's been quite influential as well. What about this? Is something that I've wondered about. Um, what are like? Are there have there been like maybe like habits or routines you have that have really helped you in your academic um, career? Because I think about like all the podcasts you do and all the papers you're writing, all the books you're writing, and how every time I send you an email, I get a response, and maybe it's a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks later, but I get a response to everyone I send. So I imagine a lot of people who've interacted with you would have a similar experience. Um, what are kind of like, have you had like habits or things you do that have helped you kind of have the, such a like a productive career that you've had? So I think the answer to that question has to be yes. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing that I, that I have done 
um, it's divided my life up in a certain kind of way. So I don't do, I mean, I think perhaps you already know this, I don't do anything connected to philosophy or work on weekends. The weekends are kind of protected time. But I do work reasonably long hours on weekdays and um, at least until COVID, um, I was very productive when I was working. So I was able to concentrate and just keep working for long periods of time. Uh, and that's what explains the getting lots of things done. Um, these, one thing that I do, uh, which maybe some other people would think of as a waste of time, but I've found is quite helpful is I walk to work and back. So it's kind of an hour each way, about four miles, six kilometres roughly. And I use that as thinking time. And I think about, right, because it's I'm, I'm walking, I'm not walking with anyone else. I've got free time to um, just think about whatever I'm currently working on. And so one thing that I think is very useful for philosophers, and probably for people generally, is to have thinking time. That's actually really interesting. I know there's a lot of people um, that, or not maybe not a lot, but I've heard other people that have done that where they walk to work um, and it helps them to have, like, just like you said, thinking time where they can kind of process things and take in um, their surroundings and whatnot. So I think it's a very like helpful thing. Um, wish I could walk to work. It'd be awesome. Um, so, yeah. Right. So not everybody has the opportunity to, to walk to work, but maybe you can still make um, walking time, you know, like mm -hmm. if you're on a, if you're on a, it depends where you are. I'm, yeah. For academics, if you're on a university campus, you can just do laps of the campus, right? <laughs> although the the danger is that you'll run into people that you know, right? Whereas, <laughs> whereas it do, on on my regular commute, um, generally I don't run into anybody that I know, so it's mm -hmm. it's kind of protected time. Yeah. yeah. What would have, what advice would you give to like um, the next like group of people coming up? Um, I think what people that listen to this is people that are maybe some people rising into the world of philosophy, um, and others who maybe are going to pursue a different career. Like you said, like your father was an engineer, um, but they also have, like have this passion um, for like philosophy, religion, something that they care about. Uh, what advice would you give to people listening to this that want to kind of grow as a very broad, general like way, but take it as you want? Like, what advice would you give? Yeah, I'm kind of reluctant to think that I could give general advice that would be useful to lots and lots of people. Um, I'm really, I'm kind of suspicious about, you know, about the usefulness of advice where you just have, you don't know who you're talking to. Uh, so I wouldn't presume to do that. Uh, um, I, I do because I'm because I'm a university teacher, uh, I do often enough have conversations with my students, sort of one-on-one -on -one conversations about um, what they're going to do with their lives and um, what sorts of things might be useful. Um, so I have some sense about, um, for Australian undergraduates, what the kind of uncertainties and the things that they really want to talk about are. Ah, but that could be very different from the kind of uncertainties and so on of the people watching this 
conversation, right? So that was all very evasive. Um, maybe you can ask a more directed question that will get a better response. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, maybe what about, we can think about it like this. Um, for someone who wants to maybe grow in their knowledge um, or understanding of philosophy, um, maybe specifically philosophy of religion, is there a good, like, maybe like a good habit um, that they could form or like a way of kind of thinking about things like, um, like, is there something like that you could say for someone that's like, oh, I want to like be better and like understand more about philosophy of religion uh, and grow as like a student of, in the world of philosophy. Is there anything there you might want to say? Sure. Um, you want, so in order to um, become a philosopher of religion, you need to read lots of philosophy of religion and you need to read lots of other stuff in philosophy outside philosophy of religion and you need to read lots of other stuff outside philosophy about religion right so there's I, there isn't a kind of shortcut to doing this you just have to do quite a bit of hard work and there's there's lots of things that you that it will be very useful for you to know about that you don't realize it will be useful for you to know about um, and so you can't really, I think, direct your, I mean, you don't want to direct your reading too much. You want to read really broadly. Um, so that would be the first bit of advice. Now, of course, it depends. If, you, if you're not thinking about becoming a professional philosopher of religion, but you're interested in philosophy of religion, what should you do? Well, I suspect that you should do this, but on a smaller scale, right? You'll just have to be more selective. You can't you won't be able to, you won't have as much time as somebody who does an undergraduate degree, goes to university, maybe gets an academic position. A person like that will have lots of time to read. Um, if you're like my sons who are all professionals, you're working full-time in a career, you have to be much more selective about reading just because you don't have the time. That's super helpful. Uh, Graham, as we start to wrap up this uh, interview, is there anything else that you want to say that maybe is on your mind that we've been covered or any last words, last thoughts, anything like that? Last words sounds like you're going to die. Oh, my gosh. I don't yeah. want to... <laughs> any, any, like, any like last thoughts? Because I'm sure you'll be on again. So, yeah, for today. Um, not, not really. I mean, I do think that um, it's useful if you can get – an opportunity to talk to somebody um, who's working in the field, if you're interested in it, to, um, so that you can ask particular questions, right? So, I mean, you, you asked me before um, about kind of generic advice um, and the kind of thing that I was tempted to say straight off was, well, you know, there, there are certain resources in the public domain that are really good, um, like the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. And there's, if, if you go to the encyclopedia at the table of contents, effectively, and you search under a bunch of key terms like religion and philosophy of religion and so on, you'll turn up lots of articles. And those articles have comprehensive bibliographies. Right. And they're written by people 
who are experts trying to say something about the current state of play with respect to the topic that they're writing on. And so one way of cheating a bit on the reading is to go to Stanford, read the Stanford summaries, and then work out from there which are the things that you'd like to follow up on, right? So if I was trying to do this as a, I'm not, not going to university, I'm not going to enroll in a course or anything like that, that's the way I think I would go about, um, about doing it. And it's um, because it's open access, uh, at least as far as the Stanford articles themselves go, I mean, you still have to solve the problem about how to get access to the things that are mentioned in the bibliography of bibliographies of the Stanford articles. But that would be a kind of general suggestion. Now, one thing that might happen is that you find the Stanford entries too hard because they are written, basically the intended audience is graduate students in philosophy. So you might want to start by reading maybe entries in the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy, but bear in mind that um, not everything in the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy is of the highest quality, and so some of the things that you'll get there, um, you'll you'll want to move beyond eventually. But you kind of, if you think of it as a kind of stepwise process, maybe you can start there until you've read a certain amount of stuff. It's a bit like, you know, at school when you study physics, the first physics that they teach you is actually just false, but that's okay because it's a stepping stone to further stuff. Well, Graham, thank you so much for coming on today. I always appreciate um, your time, your wisdom, um, the way you approach different topics. Um, I just love – I just really enjoy it. Um, when I read your debate book with Kenny Pearson, I read your opening statement. It really helped me, like – flush together. Like I hear you talk on like YouTube or podcasts all the time, but when, like when I read that book, I was like, okay, like I'm actually like seeing everything you say and it's all coming together. So I'd encourage people, um, if you enjoy like Graham does, that's a really good place to kind of, um, be a stepping stone there to really help understand everything that's going on. Um, yeah, Graham, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anywhere else where people can like follow you or connect with you or kind of could help to see like, um, your views and whatnot even more? Um, well, you mentioned before I've, I have done other conversations with a range of people and there's ways of just searching in YouTube to find them. Uh, as you mentioned, I've written a bunch of books, um, some of which are less accessible than others, but um, the, some, of them, some of the more recent ones may be accessible. Um, one thing I will say something about is the um, responding to emails. Uh, as time's gone by, I've gradually got slower at responding to emails because there's more of them. And But I do try very hard not to miss any. So if anybody writes to me, I will reply. That's amazing. Um, that's one of the reasons I think you're awesome, Graham. Is we have um, one of the leading defenders of atheism in the world, um, and really like you're accessible, um, which is amazing. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll leave some links down below where people can follow you, connect with you, understand your work even more. 
Um, and yeah, thank you, Graham, for coming on. I appreciate your time. And thank you to everyone who listened to the show. Uh, it's Adrian Apologetics. If you're new, I encourage you to like, subscribe, leave a like, all that fun stuff. And if you value what we do as a podcast, you can support at patreon.com, such as Adrian Apologetics, and do that for a dollar a month. Um, and that would be huge. But Graham, one last time, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a good one, and God bless. We'll catch you later.